Just one verse that I want to read to you this morning in Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You may be seated. This morning, I want to preach to you a message called, You Always Have a Choice. You Always Have a Choice. And you know, folks, I was looking at these uh, young couple this morning. They have a choice to make, don't they? And they chose to be used of God to go to a foreign field. You always have a choice. Every one of us in here, we have a choice. We can get mad and upset about minor things and uh, have a pithy attitude with us, or we can decide, you know what, I'm going to be a blessing to those around me. I'm going to do something. I can have a hard heart or I can have a soft heart. I remember Miss Anna Powell, uh, whom I ministered to for years in Colonial Beach, Virginia, and Miss Anna was up in years, and when I got to talking to her, her and her husband were in business together. She was a CPA. Uh, her husband, before he had passed, uh, she found out how rotten he was. He had uh, cashed in all their uh, life insurance, had run the business into the ground, and had done all kinds of things, and yet when I met Miss Anna Powell, I'd have never known anything negative about her. And uh, she had a son named Barkley, whom she worked uh, her, herself to death just trying to get him through uh, college. And he became a doctor out in California right now. And he goes up and down uh, the coast there and travels and goes into Indian communities and everything else to help folks. And uh, I, I just saw Miss Anna, and as I talked to her, by the way, she made some, some good iced tea. Good night, because that lady makes some iced tea. <laughs> and she'd invite you in to have some iced tea with her. But Miss Anna Powell always had a smile on her face. And she chose not to allow the things of life to cause bitterness to enter in. But, you know, I knew another lady, and I'll not name her name this morning, kind of had some similar circumstances to her, and she was just angry and bitter at life. And I saw two people, and the dichotomy of that, the difference between the two people was unbelievable to me, that both had very similar backgrounds and both went through very similar things, and both decided to live their lives in different ways. Choices, isn't it? And we all have choices, and and choices are before us all the time. And I look here as I read this passage in verse 16, and it says, And the Lord God communicated or commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. He said, You can eat anything you want, right? You have choices all around you, Adam. There's choices all around you. Yet when you read verse 17, He gave them one command, and he said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, Thou shalt not eat thereof. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. One thing that I told you you cannot do. How many of you have children that the one thing you told them that you didn't want them to do, they did? Amen? Do not do this, and they did it anyway. And the thing of it is, is that this is no different than what we find in Adam and Eve's life. And we know later on what took place. And I believe choices are something that everyone in this room makes every day. Every day we wake up, we make choices. We choose how we want to live that day. We make choices about whether we pray or not. We make choices about whether to read the Word of God or not. We make choices about what we want our attitude to be like or not. And here's the thing. We even make a choice. You say, well, someone said something or someone did something or someone uh, said this about me or this happened or that happened. And the reason I am the way I am today is because of them. No, you made a choice, didn't you? (laughs) You made a choice. Whatever your spirit is like, that's a choice that you're making. You choose to behave in the manner in which you choose. (laughs) And so 
the life choices that we make, boy, they come with consequences, don't they? <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of times we take that word consequences and we use that as a negative thought, but uh, there, there is uh, the thought that it's not always negative. When you think about these consequences, meaning of a result of an action or a process, and I began to think that the Bible says this, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also what? So I'm asking you something. Did God say that that was all negative? <laughs> For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. So if I sow mercy, what should I reap? If I, sh if I sow grace, what should I reap? <laughs> if I show kindness and I sow kindness, what should I reap? <laughs> Are you with me? Now, I can prove biblically that that's true because all you have to do is go back and read the Beatitudes. Amen. And, and you look, and God says, if you'll sow this way, this is what you shall reap. So if I sow bitterness, and I sow anger, and I sow all these things, what do I expect in return? Are you with me? So I can be that kind of person if I choose to be. And I, I began to think choices or decisions you make, even today, will and can affect you for the rest of your life. Choices that you make today, you say, I'm too old to worry about that. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know the most exciting thing, and I got to share this with the church on Wednesday night. I went down to see Gary in the hospital, and Sherry and Ron told me, and Michelle told me, he's incoherent. He's not really talking. <laughs> he's not speaking. Everything he says is nonsense, and so, you know, they were just telling me what was happening to Gary. And when I walked in the room... Sherry said, Dad, pastor's here. He said, hey, pastor. And so I walked up to Gary's bedside, and he started talking to me. And I went down to be an encouragement to the family, to be an encouragement to Gary. <laughs> Gary chose not to allow his circumstances to dictate what he was going to be like at that moment. In fact, Gary started asking me about my family, started asking me about uh, Elisa's car and the motor that's in the car, and he, and he started asking me about Michael and if he's back in college yet or not. He asked me about Connor and what his plans are. He said, that little girl of yours, I'm sorry, Pastor, she's not so little anymore. Emily's going to be uh, 14 here soon. I mean, he was just talking away. And I went down, and I saw joy in a man who has Jesus Christ. Amen? There was joy in his life. He didn't allow his circumstances to dictate his attitude. I went to see him yesterday, and in the hospital, he said, Pastor, you're just going to have to excuse me for a minute. He said, I think I'm getting really nauseated. Would you excuse me for just a minute? And he took care of his business, and then he kept on smiling. He said, Pastor, maybe we can just pray together. I'll go ahead and let you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Joy. Choices, isn't it? He chooses to stay joyful even in the midst of his trials he's choosing to stay joyful now i don't know where you get that from but jesus christ alone amen because <laughs> you can't produce that right. you can't produce that in yourself you have to be walking close with god so i thought about choices and i thought about decisions and i thought what process bob warnick do you use when you make decisions in your life what's your process and so i posed the question to you this morning hey hey christian what process do you use to make decisions in your life? What process do you use? And, and I thought about it. When you make your choices or your decisions, make sure they're in line with God's Word. Would you agree with that this morning? <laughs> when I'm making decisions, they ought to line up with God's Word. Would you agree? They ought to line up with truth. 
And, and you know, that goes to my attitude and my spirit, too. Would you agree? They ought to be in line with God's Word. Oh, yeah. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall what? Offend them. Amen? And, and I look at it, and he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus. Choices, isn't it? Just making choices. So when you make your choices or your decisions, make sure they're in line with God. And I began to think about how life comes with decisions, and you always have a choice. You always have a choice. Now, there are two types of decisions you can make, amen? So there's poor choices or poor decisions, would you agree? And then there's good ones. And I believe the poor ones that we make, we often make those in the flesh, amen? We often make those in the flesh. The good decisions, I would say, often include my Savior when I make them. And so you always have a choice. Now, here in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, what a verse. He, he told him in verse 16, he said, You can have anything in the garden, Adam, that you want, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat the, uh, of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. How many times have maybe our parents or someone else given us a piece of advice and they were a godly person or a good person and, and they're trying to help us and, and we ignore that piece of advice? <laughs> now, God's given some commandment here. It's not just a piece of advice, amen? And God said, listen, you can have anything you want, but don't eat of this tree. And so they choose to do so. And you say, well, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I mean, Eve just took a bite of the fruit. No big deal. <laughs> well, I want to tell you how big of a deal it was, okay? It was such a big deal that we see the consequences of that decision that day all the way over in Romans chapter 5. Would you turn there with me? Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 12. We see the consequences of that decision all the way over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. And you say, well, it's no big deal. It doesn't affect anybody else. It's just Eve. Eve just made a choice. Eve just decided that she was going to eat of that tree. I know what God said, but let me tell you, and listen, we do the same thing in our own minds in times of decision. We'll do the same thing. And we'll exclude what God had told us so that we can fulfill what it is that we desire. <laughs> and so you go to the Scriptures. How many of you are with me this morning in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12? Amen. I want you to look at that verse. It says, Wherefore is by one man, one man, one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have what? Now, I want to tell you something. That decision, that command from God was, don't eat of that tree. And what happened is, is he knew what would happen if they decided to partake of that tree. And when they did, we see the consequences all the way down the road, don't we? And so you may say, why is cancer in Gary's life? Sin entered into the world. Why did that young 27-year-old girl decide to overdose the other sin entered into the world? Why is it that I have this problem or that problem or this physical ailment or that physical ailment? Sin entered into the world. Why do we have these tornadoes, these hurricanes, and these blizzards and all this other stuff? Sin entered into the world. 
Now, I want you to know, you say, well, I'm not Eve, and so my decisions don't matter as much as hers do. I want to tell you something. Decisions that you make can affect your family a great deal. A great deal. You choosing not to walk with God can affect your family a great deal. You choosing to stay away from the house of God can affect your family a great deal. You choosing that I don't need to pray or I don't need to read my Bible or I don't need to spend time with other Christians, listen, that will affect you and it will affect your families because they're going to see something in your life. And so what does your life testify of? There will be temptations when you enter into the world. You know, you go out in the workforce, or you go to college, or you even go into the ministry. Everybody is tempted. There hath no temptation taken us, such as is common to man, but God's faithful, isn't he? But we're all tempted. We're all tempted. Listen, God planted that tree in the middle of that garden, not so that they would be tempted, but so that he would see their willingness to obey him. That's what it was about. How many of us are really willing just to obey God and to listen to him? As you think about this, you'll be faced with choices every day. And what you must do is desire to use those times that you have to make a choice, do them with Christ. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 5, there's a very powerful verse in the Bible. And believe me, I believe all sin starts right here. I believe almost all sin starts right here. It has to. And then God said in the scriptures this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Thought. Thought to the obedience of whom? God. Christ. So I want you to think about this for just a minute. What did God tell us to do? To take our thought life and capture it by whom? Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in what? Christ Jesus. And so God tells us that we have an ability to think as we ought to. Would you agree? If you are saved today, you have something the unsaved world does not. It's called the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And if you are truly saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And so you make choices every day as to what you're going to do. And listen, you're either pleasing God or you're grieving the Spirit. (laughs) And so you got to think in your mind, whether it's clothes or cars or colleges or careers or spouses or homes or even your daily thought life, I need to make sure that I'm in line with God and His Word when I make choices. Was Eve out of line? Was Eve out of line? Of course she was. But do you know who was greater out of line? <laughs> Sid and her husband stood by and watched the thing happen, didn't he? Some of you men in here shouldn't stand by and watch to see what happens. You should engage and make sure it doesn't happen sometimes. You should be engaged and make sure it doesn't happen. As I think about this, there are many biblical examples of good decisions and bad decisions. If you go to the Old Testament and you look at Saul, and Saul, the people made him king, that was an offense to God right there. <laughs> Because the people made him king. God didn't choose to make Saul king. The people chose to make Saul king. Are you with me? So Saul becomes king, and God allows this to enter into their lives. And what God desired with the nation of Israel was a relationship just this way. Amen? 
But they were like, no, we got to be like everybody else. We got to be like all the rest of the nations. We got to be like all the other places. And we want us a king. And he said, okay. And they chose out Saul. And when they chose out Saul, what happened was is Saul was not a great king. He started off well, didn't he? But boy, it ended poorly. And it ended so poorly for him in this sense that even though God told him, you are never to make sacrifices, that's for the priest to handle, amen? Saul went and made the sacrifice. So when Samuel confronts him, amen, and Saul did far more than that because he called Samuel up out of the grave too, he went to a witch at Endor and asked that, uh, you know, like we have uh, palm readers or whatever, he sees the signs up and people are going in there to find out what the next day is going to be about rather than read their Bible and walk with God. He goes to a, a witch at Endor and raises up Samuel out of the grave. You see, Saul went south pretty quick. And you say, well, okay, so David did it too, Pastor, didn't he? Oh, yeah. David went very wrong too. David, instead of being out on the front line with his men, one day went out and committed adultery with another woman. And when he did, believe me, as I just told you, for what sort of man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. There were consequences in David's life for the decision he made that day. And David was up in a place where he shouldn't have been, and he looked down on another man's wife. And when he did, it brought with it consequences, didn't it? And we look at David's life, and you say, man, he was king. He had it all. He had it made. No, his own son was trying to chase him down and kill him. And you think about the decision that he made that day. Had he been walking with God and not in the flesh, something different might have come of that, amen? And he had a man killed as well. You say, well, what's the difference between Saul and David, preacher? Well, the difference between King Saul and King David is this. One repented, confessed and repented. The other one decided, it wasn't my fault. Listen, it wasn't my fault. How many of you hear that today? It's not my fault. God, it's the parents you gave me. God, it's the kids you gave me. God, it's the neighbors you put beside me. God, it's the job you gave me. God, it's this what you've done or that what you've done. It's all God's fault. You say, I don't blame God. I blame my mom and dad. No, when you blame your mom and dad, you're blaming God. <laughs> when you blame your neighbors, you're blaming God. When you're blaming somebody else for your circumstances, believe me, you, it came down to you making choices. David... Instead of blaming other people like Saul did, he repented and confessed. And it changed the whole situation. Saul went around the priest and stopped listening to God and was not without consequences. And the difference between David and Saul, their attitude toward changing regarding their choice. You see, even though you make bad choices or even though you make poor choices, you still have a decision to make after that. You're either going to get it right or you're going to run. You're either going to get it right or you're going to run. You're going to get right with God or you're going to run from God. You're going to keep things right between you and the Savior or you're going to run from Him. And so I challenge you with this. What process do you use in making decisions in your life? When you make your choices or your decisions, are they in line with God and His Word? That's the question I have for you. Hey, this isn't about going and getting a loaf of bread, folks or whether to make a loaf of bread. This is sincerely about decisions that you make in your life that affect other people around you as well. 
Oh, and by the way, it not only affected King David, it, it affected the kingdom as a whole when he made that mistake, didn't he? When he went up there and he sinned against God and he committed adultery, it affected the entire family. And it affected the entire nation as a result of what he did. Now, we always have a choice, so I share with you, you say, well, we see Genesis 2.17 there. We see that they were presented with a command. They were told not to eat of that tree, but we get all the way over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, and we look at what happened as a result of a decision they made one day. All of mankind was plunged into sin. Listen, don't be responsible for plunging your family into sin. Don't you be responsible for plunging your family into sin. You say, well, what if I've already done this or what if I've already done that? Listen, I'm telling you, we have a God who forgives. Amen? Amen. You can turn things around now, this moment, right now, things can turn. Because we have a God that forgives and we have a God that will help you with where you are. The Bible says he is my help in time of what? need amen he's my help in trouble he's my help in my time of need god is there for you and believe me he was there for saul and he was there for david and if he was there for saul and he was there for david hey listen he was there for stephen when he got stoned amen would he not be here for me he's here for you he's here for the choices that you make without christ poor choices are made turn to genesis chapter 3 and look at verse 24. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24. The Bible says, So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Poor decisions create separation sometimes. Poor decisions create separation sometimes. Let me tell you what happened. When Adam took a bite of that fruit, he separated himself from God spiritually. Here's what we do as saved people. And I'm talking about saved people now. Do you understand what I just said? I'm talking about what kind of people, folks? Saved. I'm talking about saved people. People who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They know heaven is their home. They have trusted Christ and Christ alone to take their soul to heaven when they die. But when we sin, we break fellowship with God. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Adam that day, Adam that day, broke it off with God. <laughs> and for that reason, a consequence came. Man was plunged into sin. Choices that you make, choices that you make, can cause you to break fellowship with God. Poor decisions can bring you there. It can take you out of fellowship. Now, the Bible teaches us not to take pleasure in sin. If we do, there are consequences, and the choices you make today will affect you for the rest of your life. You know, when I thought about this, Eve was lured away through deception, and she sought after uh, what God uh, had said, hey, listen, leave that alone. <laughs> leave that alone. And, and I tell you, uh, I, 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 like, I like cars. I like cars a lot. How about you folks? You like cars? Oh, yeah. They're nice, aren't they? How many of you like ones that when you stick the key and turn it on, it runs? Amen. Amen. How many of you like it? Have you gone to a new car lot or gotten a new car? You get inside of it. What's it do? It smells good, doesn't it? Whew, man. Would you agree? It smells pretty good, doesn't it? 
Man, you get in there and you stick a key in. Today, you don't even have to stick the key in, amen? All you got to do is sit in it, I think, and go, <laughs> it'll turn on for you. But the thing of it is, is that we can be enticed by anything, can't we? We can be enticed by anything. But if God had commanded you to stay away from something, what do you think you ought to do? <laughs> And so if you consider in your hearts this morning, what is it that gets in your way? What is it that causes you to cross that line? You know, temptation is just that. When you enter into it, it becomes sin. Are you with me? So here's the thing. Because they looked upon the tree, doesn't mean they sinned, did it? They just looked upon it. He told them not to eat of it, didn't he? So he gave them a specific command. And God says, pray that you enter not into what? Temptation. Temptation. Pray that you don't even enter into it. And so what would you consider in your heart that we ought to do every day then? (laughs) Amen? We ought to pray that we don't even enter into temptation. Amen? But here's the thing. The Bible says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. By the way, we're all tempted, are we not? And a choice is set before us. And that choice is right in front of us. And we have a choice to either disobey God or obey God. Now listen, if you're saved, say amen. Amen. Are you saved this morning? Say amen. Amen. You have a choice to make. Are you with me? And I can prove that in Romans chapter 6 and in verse 6 and in verse 7. You have a choice that you didn't have before. The choice that you have is now you can choose to obey God or you can choose to obey the flesh. Are you with me? Hey, listen, Eve and Adam had a choice, didn't they? And they chose to obey the flesh rather than obey God. Now, when we look at this, poor choices are made as well. And when I look at this, Eve was lured away through deception, and she sought after what God said she could not have. You're in Genesis there. Look at verse 6 with me, if you will. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... Now, I want to tell you something. Is food a necessary item? Is food a necessary item in our life, folks? Do we need food? (laughs) Okay, I want you to get a hold of this now. We need food. Now, she could have any other tree she wanted in the garden, right? So you say, well, it's just this. It's just liquid in a bottle. (laughs) It's just liquid in a bottle. What difference does it make? You with me? And she saw a tree, watch what it says, look at verse 6, a tree that was good for what? Food. Sometimes Satan wants us to look at it and see, well, this is a necessary thing. This is a necessary thing. It's important that I have this because it's necessary, isn't it? Do we have to eat? Do we need food? Do we have to eat what God told us not to? Do we have to take in what God said do not partake of? (laughs) How many of you understand? (laughs) Amen? And I want you to think about this this morning. And it says, and that it was pleasant to the what? Man, that looks good. (laughs) Miss Kathy's been training me for a long time to look at that lemon meringue pie and say, I don't need that. Got to look at it a little differently, amen? Because <laughs> when I look at lemon meringue pie, I'm like, yeah. It is a pie to be desired. <laughs> amen? I'm telling you, I just want to rip into the thing. Are you with me? <laughs> How many of you got a food you like to rip into? Now, you can lie to me and say, no, that's not true, or every one of you can tell the truth, amen? 
Hey, listen, Brother Canning and I compete at the table. I've seen us, amen? <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that there's some things that we just desire, don't we? It's pleasant to the what? To the eyes. My kids, if you drive back by McDonald's, you'd think they were offering up steak over there. How many of you know that's not steak? <laughs> Amen. Amen. And you drive by and you get a waft of that what? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's peanut oil burning. I don't know, but whatever it is, you can smell it when you drive by. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You drive by McDonald's, especially in the wintertime. I don't know why. It just kind of hovers. Oh, yeah. And it draws you in. You're like, do you ever see Pepe Le Pew? Do you remember the skunk? Pepe Le Pew, how many of you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Huh? And so, so he was in love with a cat, so he painted himself so you couldn't see his stripes, so he, you couldn't tell that he was a skunk, right? But he could come over and he could pretend to be a cat for a while, couldn't he? But then something would start to happen. What happened? The odor would rise and the other kittens would be like, whoa. It didn't draw them in. It pushed them away. You know, sin ought to push us away as saved people. Would you agree? We ought to be able to see that maybe I can't see the stripe, but that sin's still there. And we need to be able to walk away from some things. And when you look in the scriptures and you see this, and it says that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. Now watch this. To make one wise. Now how many of us want to be smart? I'm not. Amen. I pray for wisdom all the time because I got none. (laughs) You know that verse in James? <laughs> I need that verse. Amen. If any of you lack wisdom, I'm like, God, I'm the man. <laughs> Amen? I lack it. No problem there, Lord. We're on agreement. <laughs> I lack wisdom. Hey, listen, let him ask of God. I got to talk to God all the time because I'm not smart enough to do some things. Amen? And, and, and what it is is that she looked at this, she desired it, and it was to make one what? Why? Smart. Ooh make me a lot smarter if I do this. And then he says this, it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Now let me tell you about decisions and poor decisions. Let me tell you about poor decisions for just a minute. Poor decisions. Everybody with me? You know what poor decisions are? We justify to ourselves why we're about to make this poor decision. We don't talk to God We justify ourselves why we're going to make the decision. Are you with me? We'll talk to ourselves. Listen, what did she do? It was pleasant. It was a tree to be desired. It's food. Amen. Can you see that process happening in your life? And you're you're justifying to yourself why you're about to do what God said not to do. (laughs) And it's just a process that goes through us. Now listen. What she did was, it was a poor decision because she was not consulting with God. Had she consulted with God, guess what she would not have done? She wouldn't have even eaten it. In fact, she might even just turn before she looked at it. And the thing of it is, is God does the same thing for you and for me. God does the same thing for you and for me. I want you to turn to a verse in your Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. I want you to look at this verse firsthand. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you're with me, say amen. 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 Now look, the Bible says, There hath no temptation, what? Taken you, but such as is what? Common Common to man. Everybody's tempted, folks. There's a phrase right there in the middle of that. (laughs) Who's faithful? 
God is faithful. Now listen, that passage teaches you something. It says that he'll never allow you to be tempted above that you're able. Is that not what he says? He's not going to allow you to be tempted above that you're able. Listen, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. Are you with me? And so you have an ability to do something. Now watch this. He says he'll not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but he will also with that temptation do something. What does it say? He'll give you a way out. You know what we choose not to do? We choose not to go out the door, don't we? We choose to hang around to see what the outcome's going to be. We just want to see what's going to (laughs) happen. You know, that was that stinking Adam did that. He was hanging back. And his wife's up there about to take a bite of the fruit, and God said, hey, don't eat that tree! And Adam says, I wonder what's going to happen. Because it says, and her husband was with her. Watch this, guys. And this is where the responsibility comes in, men. And it says, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. He was hanging out. He was hanging out watching it happen. And instead of doing something about it, he let it go on. He let it happen. God said, oh my. So when you go over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, you say, well, didn't Eve do this? No, God gave the commandment to Adam, didn't he? Adam was standing there watching what his wife did, and I think Adam was like, hey, let's just check this out and see what goes on. And instead of doing something about it, we let it go. When I look at this, this is a sad situation because poor choices were made. And the Bible says, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword uh, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. What happened was this. He broke fellowship with God. He broke fellowship with God. You, when you sin, break fellowship with God. I'm so grateful for 1 John 1, 9. Amen. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But listen, it's choices. And when you think about this, think about this, young people, and I want you to consider this this morning. Uh, Adam and Eve were put out of the garden and were not able to go back in, and God's the only one that could bring them back into the right relationship. So what did he do? He sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. He sent his only begotten son to die in our place. He tells us in the scriptures, but God commendeth her. He demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says the wage that we earn for what we are is spiritual separation from God. The same thing that happened to Adam in that garden that day, but what we get instead is but a gift of God. It's eternal life, but it's through Jesus Christ. When I look at this, I think about this, and I want to talk to you young folks especially. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And I want to challenge you this morning, young men, young women, if you're in here and you're saved, you do not need to be dating someone who is unsaved. You need to be dating somebody who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're not saying, yeah, I'm familiar with the man upstairs. No, they know Jesus Christ the Lord as their Savior, amen? That's who you ought to be working with. That's who you ought to be equally yoked with, amen? Hey, listen, the Bible said don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, God takes it even a step further. He said, what does Satan have to do with a Christian? 
Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. You know what happens to us, though, in 1 John 2, 15 through 17? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so God told us, and I want you to get a hold of this, the lust of the what? Eyes. Are you with me? And the lust of the what? Flesh. Are you with me? And he equates it to the pride of what? Life. Pride gets in the way of a lot of things. Pride gets in the way of a lot of things. Pride will cause us to even have an angry heart or a bitter heart or an angry spirit or a bitter spirit. And I'm just sharing with you what pride can do to you. Pride can turn you away from God rather than draw you close to him. Choose now to let your heart be drawn to God and make the right kinds of decisions, good choices, not poor decisions. He says in that passage, in the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, folks, the Lord wants us to be wise in our decision-making. And I want to tell you something, fellas. And listen, all of you men in here, you've got a hard responsibility. And you can negate this if you want to, and you can doze off if you want to, but I'm here to tell you the truth this morning. You men are responsible for your families. Amen. You men are responsible for your families. You're responsible for the actions of those children as well. And God is going to hold you personally accountable for how that household went. He's going to hold you personally accountable for how you behave and what you do and how you present God to those little kids that are in your home. You're going to be held accountable for your actions and what you're doing. And the Bible teaches us to raise our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Amen? God teaches us some things. And we have a responsibility. Now listen, it's no different than going in and taking a bite of that fruit. The only difference is, is you're deciding not to go and do what God said to do. And you're held accountable to God for these things. And when I look to the Scriptures and I see that responsibility that we have before God, you want to teach your children how to make good decisions. How many of you have heard this? And this is nonsense, folks. Oh, just follow your heart. Amen. How many of you have ever heard somebody tell you that? Just follow your heart. I was out one night. I was eating dinner. I was with family. And one of my family members was about to make one of the poorest decisions I'd ever heard in my life. And one of my other family members looked right at him and said, listen, all you got to do is just follow your heart. I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit inside of me was like, doo -doo -doo -doo. do you know what the Bible says about our heart? He tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, what, folks? You know it. You know it's no good, right? You know it's no good. Why would you tell anyone to follow their heart? <laughs> Following your heart says follow the flesh. Follow your heart says do what you want to do. Follow your heart says get what you want. Follow your heart says go after the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Listen, that's what the heart wants. <laughs> but what does God want for your life? Ben, Connor, what's God want for your life? Ethan, what's he want? And you guys got to make decisions. <laughs> and they don't get easier, by the way. How many of you agree with that? Just say amen, old amen. people, amen. <laughs> amen. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't get any easier. Am I right, Miss Carol? It gets a lot harder, doesn't it? 
Man states, follow your heart. God states, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? <laughs> hey, God tries the heart. He tries the reins, amen? He knows our every thought. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you have a chance to make some good choices. Daily, I think you can make some sound choices. I have some verses I want to share with you, and I'm done. I'll end it with this. Go to a Galatians in the New Testament, if you will. Galatians in the New Testament. Look at chapter 5. Folks, God's really placed this message on my heart. I don't know who it's for. Maybe for my own self this morning. And I've gone a little long this morning. I'm going to read this verse to you and I'll end the service here. We're going to have to start cooling it off in here a little bit. Verse 16. Everybody with me say amen. amen. Verse 16. This I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the what? Look at verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also do something. Walk in the Spirit. So making good choices requires to walk close with God. And when you look at those two verses, he said, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So what good decisions can do for your life is cause you to walk close to God. <laughs> That's what good decisions can do for you. And so you say, well, preacher, how do you do that? You know, whether you're married or you're single or you're young or you're older, choices come. And listen, the best thing you can do is find out what the biblical principles are for living life. Amen? I preached uh, my cousin's funeral. His name was Matthew. Matthew was a soldier, a decorated soldier. And Matthew, when I was young, he and I spent time together, and we didn't get along too well. We'd throw rocks at each other. That's for real. <laughs> We'd shoot each other with BB guns. Don't do this. <laughs> Amen? But we'd hang out together. You'd have thought we were best friends, but boy, we disliked one another all so much. And as we got older, I tried to talk to Matthew. Matthew learned a language. It started with the F word, and it ended with the F word. That was his life. He went to the military and was used greatly in the military. He came out of the military, and I met up with him, after he got out of the military, and, and every third word, I think, started with the F word. He just could not not say it. It was a constant. Matthew turned out to be a good husband and a good father, and he started working in the coal mines. And Matthew was taking medication one night, and he was coming out of the mines, and he took the medication before he left to go home. And as Matthew was driving home, he fell asleep at the wheel and gravitated over into another lane and killed another lady and killed himself that day. I had a family member come to me and say, I want you to preach and tell everybody he's in heaven. <laughs> when we're in the box, we want everybody to go to heaven when we're in the box. Amen? I said, I can't do that. Well, we want you to preach his funeral. And I've shared with you many, many times, I have an Uncle Marshall that I pray for. I know where Matthew got his language. I know where he went to language school. He went to language school with his dad. His dad's the same way. In fact, I introduced his dad to a pastor friend of mine, and the next word out of his mouth was the F word. <laughs> that was his language. You say, well, we're not that bad, preacher. <laughs> so he wanted... Matthew in heaven. <laughs> I couldn't preach Matthew in heaven. All I could do is tell my uncle what he now had a choice to do. Are you with me? 
He had a choice to make, didn't he? When I was growing up, how many of you remember, Brother uh, Jimmy, you remember the Chilton's manuals? You remember those Chilton's manuals for working on things? <laughs> and my uncle always told me, Bob, when you buy a car, buy a Chilton's manual. Now, they used to be really good. They had great diagrams in them. Today, you look at them, you're like, how am I supposed to figure that out? <laughs> Amen. And my uncle always told me, you buy a car, you buy a Chilton's manual because that car and that manual will match up and you'll know how to do everything you need to do on that car from changing the oil uh, to putting new uh, ball joints in it to putting on shocks on that car. You'll know how to tear that motor down and rebuild it if you need to. Chilton's manual will show you that. I got a chance to preach Matthew's funeral. My uncle was just broken. He loved his son. His son was a decorated veteran. And Miss Carol, all I can think of is we have a Chilton's manual for life. Amen? Craig, this is it. You're not getting another book on how to live. You're not getting another book on how to raise those girls. This is it, man. Joe, this is the Chilton's manual we got. Are you hearing me, Ben and Connor? This is it, guys. And you're either going to live by it or you're going to walk away from it and not know how to live. And I'm telling you, that day my uncle had a good choice to make. And he chose to walk apart from God. Andrea Sharp. Andrea Leanne Sharp. 27 years old. Wednesday, I went and preached her funeral. Her life ended in a hotel room, alone, with a needle in her arm. That's how they found her. 27. Brother Darrell, it was hard to contain myself. I walked into that room, and I could look around. Are you with me? And I could see the pain and the hurt over someone else's choice. You, all of us, have choices to make. You can either choose to walk with God or you can choose to walk away from Him. Good choices can be made, but you can't do it apart from God. Let's pray.